All right, and we're, talking, we're kind of talking about kids. We're leading into this from last week from, from kids. Um, I titled last week's uh, message, The Kid in the Room, uh, because I always feel like the kid in the room, no matter how old I am. I'm old, and I still feel like the kid in the room, because um, I just, <laughs> thank you, Cause, uh, uh, which was evident at every gathering that we go to, um, because everybody yells my name when something goes wrong. It happened again last night. Something went wrong, and they're like, Justin, like I had the remote, so it was my fault. Uh, so apparently I'm still the kid in the room, so I'm proud of that title. But we're coming from a place of trusting or trying to see clearer, um, not that we need to be immature like kids, but that we need to trust the Father more, that we need to be fully dependent. It's kind of the opposite of, in our world, we get more and more independent, but in the kingdom, we get more and more dependent on God. So it's kind of a, a bit of a, yeah, it's like an upside-down deal. Um, because it's a little counterintuitive to do that, that we get more and more dependent on God as we get older. And, and in, in life, our kids get more and more independent. Does that make sense? And so the, the idea isn't that you stay immature. The idea is, uh, or the reality, not just the idea, the reality is um, as, you, as you get to know and you walk with God, you begin to realize how good he is all the time in all the situations that you're in. And so you begin to trust him more and more and more. And that's why we say all the time, either you, you trust him or you don't, like, it's not a lot of middle ground there. You, you, you kind of waver back and forth. Either we trust him or we don't. He's not, he's not just a good moral teacher, um, as C.S. Lewis said. He, he, either, he, was, he was who he said he was, the son of God, full of, of supernatural power and, you know, raised from the dead, or he was equivalent of a man who says he's a poached egg. <laughs> he's an insane person. You, there's no middle ground. Um, so we, we have to see this when we walk out this life that we're not, we're not striving and pushing and working for something that Christ has already given us, but we're, we're being renewed to the reality. I, I always have a hard time singing from the head to the heart, even though I love that song, and most of the song is awesome, but I wish it said from the heart to the head, <laughs> because that's the way it works. That's why Christ came to live in our heart, and he renews our minds. He doesn't renew our heart. He didn't come to live in our minds. It's the other way around. So it, it helps me to see, especially when I'm living out um, this Christian life, this life in general, when I can see it in my head that way, then it flows outward. It's a much more outward-focused life, which is what Christ has, has instructed us and give us, given us the power to do, live from our heart out and, and convincing ourselves, renewing our mind every day. Um, I keep doing that. It makes me look crazy. Renewing our mind. Renewing our mind. That's what looks better. Um, and so we're renewing our mind as we go out. And we discuss... I don't want to get off on that. I'm about to chase a rabbit. I haven't even gotten started yet. Um, so we renew our mind, we, we, get to know, we, we get to know this Holy Spirit as we walk through life and the decisions that we make and the things that we do. And the way that we do that is, we, like I said, we become more and more dependent on Christ as we go along in the smallest things and the biggest things. So when we, we make decisions, it's not, everybody stop what you're doing, like freeze, I need to go get in my prayer closet and pray about this so that we can figure it out and I'll get back to you, right? I mean, that's the way I used to think sometimes is that we had to, I've got to fast, I've got to do this, I've got to do all these things before I can give you an answer when the Holy Spirit's like, <laughs> I'm here, you know, like, why, why, don't you, why don't you listen, you know, why don't you let me lead you? So it's this, 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 whole, this whole submission thing to a good father is not scary. Now, with my background, anytime you say, like, submit, and there's a funny, and I don't, I, I, I kind of have beef with some of the Babylon B stuff because there's so much of it, and some, it can be a little insensitive sometimes, but some of it is kind of funny. But some of those, it's just like satire, and it said something about uh, uh, like women in modern churches would not click submit on a website or something. <laughs> it was just something ridiculous. But there, but there is this in the back of my head because, uh, I know it's silly, but it was kind of funny. But 
but the, in the back of my head, there was so much, so much bad things that, that happened to me. Um, when I think of, of trusting and submitting in, in human form, like I'm an alien or something, when I think of that in that sense, it's scary. And some of you may have had those experiences in the past where you were young and vulnerable and taken advantage of. Um, I had those experiences, so it's, it's, it, takes, it takes a while for God to kind of work that through me. Now, many of us have different backgrounds, but for me, it was really hard to submit to God because the God that was represented through, throughout my childhood was a very angry God and was a God that was just, just telling me how bad I was, which I was fully aware of. But that, that was the image that was given to me, and so I was not willing to submit to that God because I had plenty of other people telling me how bad it was and, and punishing me for it, even when I wasn't doing bad. But anyway, so there was this, there was this um, revelation of, of giving up control when I came to a salvation experience. When I, when I was born again, the, the very last thing, and I always say this, the very last thing I wanted to give up in my life was control, and it was the very first thing he asked for was control in my life. Um, and that's hard to do. How many of you know it's hard to give up control? I mean, I was, I was a bit of a control freak. Growing up in the environment that I grew up in, um, my, my household wasn't very stable. And so in my mind, I had, to, I had to be in control of everything. I had to take care of myself, right? I had to make sure this got done. That's why I know we, I preach grace all the time, and, and I don't want y'all to pretend like I don't have some kind of work ethic. I've got several jobs, and I work a lot. I, I understand work ethic. But there was something genuinely supernatural when, when Christ showed me that I didn't have to earn his love, that it wasn't a conditional thing. Because I understood how to hustle from very young. I understood, I do for you, you do for me. I may not say it, but you owe me, right? Like, and even today, I'll go help somebody, like a, a friend or an acquaintance or, or a family member, whoever. I'll help them, and immediately they're like, man, you know, let me take you out to lunch. Let me do something for you. I'm like, no, it's, it's okay. You don't, but that's how we think, right? I, I owe you. You helped me. I, I help you. And that's all we know. That's, that's the limit to love that we understand until Jesus just comes in. <laughs> and it just goes, poof, like, the, what's the commercials where, poof, where their heads explode? It's like, poof, whoa, how, how can you love me? And this is, I have discussions about all kinds of different things and, and uh, some really interesting discussions about debates and between, you know, creation and evolution and, and, and all these different things. And from, a, uh, from an intellectual standpoint, you can argue both points as much as you want. They're both faith-based if you, if you get down to the, the core of them. But you can argue them on an intellectual level to no end. I mean, anybody can do that. But it's, it's when, you, when you, let me see how I can articulate this. When you, when you feel the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, all of that goes out the window. There's no, there's no explaining that fully. Now, What's, what's difficult with that is um, we want other people to feel that and understand and experience it. And what we've done, I think, throughout the years is we've tried to force that on people with good intentions, with good intentions. And I, I speak from experience. I got saved when I was 20. I was going after it, man. I was charismatic. I was passionate. I was trying to get people to heaven and didn't care anything about people, to be, to be honest with you. I mean, to be genuine. But I was trying to get them to heaven, man. I needed to do it. I was, had a job. I had a the Great Commission, right? And, uh, but I was trying to convince them of something that I didn't even fully understand, right? Any of you ever experienced that? Yeah. You get saved and, and you go through this, these classes of how to win people to the Lord and the road to, road to Romans and 
and the road to, through Samaria, and all these roads. I don't know where they go. And you're trying to figure this out, and you go out, and you try to make food, people feel guilty for sinning, and then give them what you, what you know is the answer, which is Jesus, but you have no clue what you're doing, to be honest. I mean, I, personally, maybe you did. You, you guys might have all gone to seminary. I didn't. Um, but I remember doing that and feeling very frustrated. Um, it was very uncomfortable, um, which gets me to where I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Uh, there's, a, there's a common phrase that I heard a lot after coming into church culture at 20, and it was um, get out of your comfort zone. Have you ever heard that? You need to get out of your comfort zone. And I've heard it here and there, and even within the last several years I've heard it. I never really thought much about it, um, whatever. Um, but, then, but then I saw it on Facebook the other day. Somebody posted something and it said it, and it just struck me, and I was like, wait a minute. And I thought, Holy Spirit, the uncomforter. Does that make sense? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It's like, isn't the Holy Spirit supposed to comfort? What? Why do we have to be uncomfortable? What am I missing here? And so I began to, to research, to do a little bit, a little bit of research here, and, and going along the same lines of, of trusting a father, we have to understand that the, the Holy Spirit carries the heart of the Father. He's not just a complete separate entity. He carries the same heart of the Father from the beginning of time that created us in his image, had a redemption plan even when we messed up in the garden from the very beginning. It wasn't a backup plan for Christ to die for us. He knew it all along. He loved us enough to do it. Christ came and did it for us and, and gave us redemption, which is um, our restored relationship with the Father. And so now we can love, be loved, and love other people freely. So what happens is when we, when we receive this Holy Spirit, lots of different things happen to lots of different people in lots of different ways. Can we agree? That's a big deal for us to understand because a lot of us want to see other people have the same experiences that we have, right? We, we want to see, and like I said, this isn't, I'm not just bashing you guys or bashing anybody because with good intentions, we want them to see what we see, we want them to feel what we feel, we want them to experience what we experience because we know that it's good, even though sometimes we can't fully explain it, right? So the Holy Spirit comes and goes, okay, well, I realize that now. I realize that you, you obviously you can't do it on your own, so I had to come. Um, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to be your helper. I'm going to be your comforter. I'm going to I'm going to work through this. And so we do we do have gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. He doesn't divvy out orders, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't come in and say, you know, this and this and this and this. But He gives us gifts, which is evident in First Corinthians. And this is uh, Paul talking to the Corinthian church. And you, a lot of you guys know the history behind this. They were doing a lot of dumb things. They gotten caught up in just the gifts and not understanding really who they were. And so He gives them their identity in the beginning. And then we get here to twelve. This is First Corinthians twelve one. Um, and he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's pretty blatant. Don't be, don't be stupid. You know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's just establishing um, the reality of the Holy Spirit in them and, and what that's going to lead them to do. Verse 4, there, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God, our same Father, who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for, for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. 
But one and the same Spirit works all these things, uh, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So he gives us all these different gifts. Now, what happened with the Corinthians is they kind of got caught up in the gifts and kind of forgot the whole purpose of, of loving each other. How many of us have ever fallen into that trap? We get, caught in, we get caught up in ministry, and loving people gets in the way of our ministry. We can't. He's trying to establish that. Under the umbrella of love, these things are good. Work in the gifts. Operate in the gifts. We believe in the modern operation of the gifts here. Do it under the umbrella of love. <laughs> because if it's not under the umbrella of love, you're just like a resounding gong, or you're just like a, a, a repetitive... I mean, anybody... Anybody can do things of their own power, but when you don't submit to the Lord, you don't really have that supernatural love. Same way I say I can't, I can't love Tracy the way she deserves to be loved because I'm a guy and I'm just kind of dumb sometimes. Um, but supernaturally, I can. I can <laughs> Tracy's going yes. I agree. Amen. You can amen that. But sometimes I will. I'll pray about it because I'll be frustrated because I'll be like, I'll be like, listen to me. I'll. I'll. I'll think. I really. I really want this certain thing to happen a certain way or whatever because I've got it in my head, um, and it doesn't, so I'll pray, you know, Lord, fix her or something, you know what I mean? Um, and then he's like, no, it's you. You can, you, know, you, can love, you can love her like I love you and that kind of thing. And so in the same way with, with every, every other relationship that we have, it's not that you do for me, I do for you because that's a broken system. It doesn't work. That's old covenant stuff. That's if you will, then I will kind of thing. So now you're free to love because you have an abundant supply of it that never runs out. Does that make sense? All right, so he's, he's demonstrating this by saying, look, um, these are gifts that I give you so that you can operate in them. How, how, many of you, how many of you have, well, I know many of you have kids. I'm not going to ask you to so raise your hand. Many of us have kids. I have kids. How, how logical would this be if I saw them um, having fun or being happy, and I thought to myself, I need to make them uncomfortable. Like, does that sound logical? Like, I need to, they're, they're having too much fun. Or, or they're too happy. Or, they're, or they're, they're, too, they're too comfortable. They're too confident. They're too, um, they're too safe. I need, to, I need to go drop them off at Walmart and, and tell them that, that I'm the answer to everybody's problems and they need to convince them all and I'll come pick them up in an hour. <laughs> right? Does that make sense? No. <laughs> But that's the way we look at Christianity. That's the way we do it. look at, at ministry sometimes. We're like, hey, um, you're too comfortable. You need to be uncomfortable. I need to go put you in a position where you're going to be uncomfortable so that you can trust me more. Really? That doesn't sound like a loving father to me. This is why we emphasize so much here the, op, the, the modern-day operation of the Holy Spirit in us because he goes with us everywhere we go. It's not... I love the Bible, I love the Bible, I love the Bible. And, and this confirms and reaffirms and demonstrates and leads and helps and teaches us about the Holy Spirit. But if you look at this as a historic Christianity, then, then you have no power. There's no power in that. You have to know what you carry. You know, we've said it before, you, you have to have $10,000 in your pocket to give it away, right? You have to know the power that you carry with you in order to help other people. We have to know that there's gifts given to us that are good for us. And once we know that, it shouldn't be uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit's with you. So now, I'll say this. Is it all like puppy dogs and butterflies? No. I'm not stupid <laughs> all the time. Um, it's not all great. There are trials and tribulations. The, the Bible tells us that we will go through them. But God's not leading you into them. He's with you through them. <laughs> he says, look, you're going to deal with all this stuff, but it's okay. I'm going to be with you. 
Right? I mean, I, I could just stop there. Game over. Go, go, go. Live your life. I mean, that's it. God says, you're going to deal with some things. It, the situations around you may be uncomfortable, but I'm with you, and you're going to be all right. You will be comforted, even in the midst of those situations. I mean, this changes the way we see everything because we have a loving father that's not far off, way past, I always look this way for some reason. He's up and to the right. <laughs> that's where heaven has always been for me, far, far away. <laughs> You're right, I am. With Christ in heavenly places. I didn't even think of it. Up and to the right. That's deep. I could go on. No. But think about this. When we realize that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like a seed planted in our heart, then we realize that the Holy Spirit is, is with us. Heaven is a spiritual realm. He can, Jesus continually tried to tell his disciples that. You don't get it. It's not just some place. This is, this is a, a reality that you carry with you. And so when we get that, when we can shift that a little bit and go, okay, wait a minute. I carry this power with me. I carry the kingdom of heaven with me. Where I go, he goes. He says, if you go into uh, um, a brothel and you join yourself with a harlot, I'm, you're bringing me with you. That's, that's I mean, that's, that's a little rough to think about, but it's the reality that we're in. We say, well, well we're going to run away from God. Well, good luck. Good luck with that. Where are you going to go? I mean, really, what are you going to do? Run away from wherever heaven is when he's right here? You're going to be running around in circles? And very frustrated. You want to be uncomfortable? Do that. You'll be uncomfortable. So, so if we get out of our comfort zones, what kind of fruit do you think that will produce? If we're uncomfortable, you think it will produce peace? Are you, are you peaceful when you're uncomfortable? Joy? You think the fruit of the Spirit will be, will be uh, manifested if you're uncomfortable? Let's look at what the Bible says about um, what the Holy Spirit does. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit convicts you of righteousness? Have you all ever heard that? Not many people talk about that. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to go in John 16, 5 real quick. And this is, this is a mini-sermon in itself, so I'll try to not spend too much time on it. John 16, 5 says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your hearts. This makes them probably very uncomfortable because Jesus is leaving, right? So they are probably pretty uncomfortable because Jesus is leaving. Verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now look at this, verse 9. Of sin, because they, who? The unbelievers. Of, he's convicting the unbelievers of sin because they do bad things? No. He's going to convict the unbelievers of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, he's going to convict of righteousness, who? He's, he, say, he goes on verse 10, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you, he's talking to the believers here, see me no more. Verse 11, of judgment... So who's getting judgment? Because the ruler of this world is judged. So sin, death, and hell is judged, right? So we want to put all three of those on ourselves, but it's not who's talking to. They, the unbelievers, are the ones who are going to be convicted of sin, which is, makes sense. We're going to be convicted of righteousness. If you're born again, you're convicted of righteousness now. This is what a good father does. He goes, you're not who you used to be. 
If I had a kid who was lost and I found him and I brought him back to me, I would spend a lot of time explaining to him and, and making sure that he knew or she knew that, that they were loved and they were taken care of and that, that I was going to help them and I was for them and, and pour identity into them. I wouldn't con- continually talk about how bad they used to be. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to continue to make them feel bad about the mistakes they made. I would want them to move on and to get better, right? Verse 12, I still, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He, probably what he wanted to say was, you guys just won't get it. Um, however, when, when he, the, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. How, that's great news. <laughs> he, will, he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has, has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. That's very comforting to me. <laughs> that's not uncomfortable. That's saying, good, this is, this is good for me. This is beneficial to me. So we find comfort in Christ by, the, by way of the Holy Spirit. Um, three things, my friend Dana Watson, you, a lot of you guys know Dana from the children, Alabama, just, eh, Alabama Baptist Children's Home that we, we go once a month and we feed the house parents and we just love those kids over there and it's been an awesome ministry and I thank Katie for leading that and heading it up. It's really, really cool. Um, our kids look forward to it and count down the days to go to it. Um, but, but, uh, but Dana Watson's my friend. He kind of runs the children's home, and he grew up in the children's home there. It's a really cool story, but I don't know why I'm telling you all this. Um, Dana, Trinity stayed the night at Dana's house one time. I was out of town, and Tracy had to work or something, and we had to, it was summertime or something happened, and, and, and stayed the night at Dana's house. And Dana asked her, three quest, or, what are three things you could tell me about your dad? Um, and she named the three things, and he sent me a text of it or whatever, and my response was, stop interrogating my daughter. But... Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but the, I don't remember the third thing, but the first two were, he loves me, he takes care of me. I don't remember the third one. He makes me uncomfortable. No, he doesn't. She didn't say that. Um, he's, <laughs> no, he tells corny jokes. That would, that maybe, he, she might have said he's funny, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, but I remember the first two were, uh, where he loves me and he takes care of me. Now, how, like, how awesome did that make me feel? Like, I was out of town, and it was like, oh, really? I already feel bad because I'm out of town, and then now I'm like, oh, thanks, Dana. Stop interrogating my daughter. Um, but but I, I see that, and like I said last week, I, I thought that I would have a hard time being a good father to my kids because I'm a good example, but it's worked in reverse for me because it, um, my love for my kids have, have helped demonstrate to me how God loves me. Does that make sense? Did I say that right? Um, so it's kind of worked in reverse for me. So the more that I understand how deeply I care for them and the direction, the way that I want to lead them and, and pour identity into them, it's been revelational to me that that's how the, the God the Father looks at me. And so when I, see, when, when I hear stuff like that, I think, wow, this is how God wants us to feel. He loves me. He takes care of me. He tells corny jokes. <laughs> no. Um, dad, he tells dad jokes. It's like the ultimate dad jokes. God tells them. Uh, yeah, I know. I, saw, I say all the time, God has to have a sense of humor because I have one and he made me his image. So there you go. Um, but to me, that just that solidifies the, 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 nat- the nature and the character of God towards us because he 
has given us that, and he, he's kind of shown us, even through our kids sometimes, that that's, a, that's what a good father does. He doesn't seek to, he doesn't want to hurt you. He doesn't want to, you know, put you through these things. He's there with you, so much so that he died so that he could be there with you. So if, if, if that's comforting, which I think it is, let's look at what's uncomfortable. What, what do we find discomfort in? What do you think? What, where, where do you think you would find discomfort? Sin, right? So <laughs> it kind of messes me up now. Every time I see uh, somebody talk about getting out of their comfort zone, I'll be like, stop encouraging people to sin. <laughs> but let's look, let's look at sin, because seriously, for the believer, what should be uncomfortable to us? Sin. Should it not? It, and it is. Not should, it is. I can speak from experience. Sin is uncomfortable for me. So why do we do it? Why do people do it? We're still tempted, right? Some people do it. Here's, here's my take on it. This isn't scripture. This is me. It, it, it's, it's either, and I say this, well, I, I believe it's Holy Spirit led, but it's me trying to work through it because I genuinely ask myself these questions. And I hope that you do too because you have the same Holy Spirit I have and there's plenty of Bibles and plenty of interwebs to search to find this stuff. But for me, searching within myself and trying to understand why I or other people do things that they do, this is, this is kind of what I've come in my conclusion. Um, so if you think I'm wrong, talk to me afterwards. You don't have to call me out right now. It'll be embarrassing for us both. All right. Um, <laughs> so why, this is a question I ask myself. Why do people excessively drink or abuse drugs or watch porn or gamble or, or any other of the, I call the, the easy to point out bad sins, right? Why do people do that? Here's what I think. I think they're searching for comfort or peace. I think that they're looking for a fix, even if it's temporary. I think that they're looking for, for a fix or for an escape, for an escape from the reality that they think that they're in. And I say, I say that because our, our minds are being renewed, right? So the, the actual reality that we're in, if, if our heart has been renewed, is in Christ. But our brains can trick us, right? We watch movies, and our heart will start racing, and we're into the movie. I love good movies. But if you pan out and you see the boom mic and you see the director, you're like, oh, well, it's just a movie. Our brains can trick us sometimes. And so what I think is happening is we've, we've, we think that we're in this reality that we're not actually in, and so we think we need to escape it. So it's all false. It's all fake. But it feels very real to us, and we need to, we need to fix it, and we need to get out of it. And so this is what I think for, for in the moment, for whatever sin it is, you can fill in the blank, whatever it is, that you, you think you need to fix, which we know is kind of shortcuts to the Holy Spirit. We're trying to do things that we don't trust the Father to do for us. And so in that moment... However brief it is, they escape the reality that they think they're in, that they're either not in control of or they do not have power over. And I believe this is one of the greatest demonic attacks on people today because it's a lie that in essence is saying the Holy Spirit in me is not enough and I'm not who God says I am and I can't trust him. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) I really believe this is one of the greatest demonic attacks on Christians today because it's a lie it's like the paper handcuff thing. It's a lie that's, that in essence is saying the Holy Spirit is not enough. God's not enough. I'm not who God says I am, and I cannot trust him. That's very dangerous. That's a very dangerous position to be in because it's not the truth. And so we want to escape this reality that we think that we're in. So it's a false freedom from a false prison, <laughs> right? It's a fake it's a fake escape, because where do we find freedom? Real freedom is found in Christ. So if we find ourselves 
I don't know what uh, oppressed, I guess. I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for. Stressed or um, stressed would be good, I guess. We find ourselves stressed or frustrated or um, like we, we can't get we can't get out or we can't escape the situation that we're in and we're looking for an escape trapped. Trapped would be a good yeah, we feel trapped. How many of you ever felt trapped? I felt trapped. Listen, I'll, I'll give you a good example. Movie Parenthood. Have you all ever seen Parenthood? Uh, Steve Martin. I'm not a huge Steve Martin fan, but that movie was a great movie, and I'll recommend it. Um, I'll probably get in trouble. It may have some cussing or something in it, but I don't care. It's a great movie. Back in the day, I remember watching it uh, as a kid, like as a teenager, and uh, and I remember relating to uh, Keanu Reeves' character. He was like the the ditzy like fatherless kid who came in or whatever. Anyway, I remember relating to him and going, and one of the phrases I remember that I stuck with me throughout my childhood was, um, you have to have a license. Do you all remember this? You have to have a license to fish. You have to have a license to do this. But any, you know, deadbeat, whatever, can be a dad because he had a bad father. His, his, his father would beat him and do all these things. And I really related to that. And we were in Atlanta. We went and hung out with, uh, with you guys in Atlanta. I remember we were, watching, we were watching the same movie again, and I hadn't seen it in years. And we watched through the whole thing, and I remembered that part, and it was cool. But then there was another part that now I'm a lot older. I'm 40 now. And there was a part that Steve Martin, Martin said. It was something about have to. And he was like, my whole life is have to. And I was like, I can relate to that. Like, I'm in a, I'm in a completely different place in my life now because sometimes I feel like that. My whole life is have to. I have to do this. I have to do that. You have to go over here. You have to be over here. We have to be at this place at this time. You have to be over here, right? And so sometimes you feel trapped from that. You want to find an escape from that. But here's the thing. We really don't. I don't. We don't have to be. We don't have to do a lot of the things that we think that we have to do. We put a lot of those things on ourselves, right? And I saw that as a really good example of, of two completely different places in life and really good movie making, I guess, because um, it related to a lot of different people in different stages of their life. Um, but for me, there are times in adult life when you feel like you're just stressed out and you can't take anymore and you just want to escape, right? That's why we take vacations and we go to Disney World and we're going to have fun. I don't care. I'm going to make us have fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're going to have fun. We're spending a lot of money, and you better have fun. <laughs> you, you better wear those $30 Disney glasses that cost like two cents to make. I love buying them for you. I love it. That was like the most stressful time at Disney World was buying the souvenirs and going, <laughs> oh, yeah. This is like dollar store stuff. It just has Mickey Mouse's head on it. <laughs> I hate all the, I hate the, anyway, don't get me started on Disney. I'm glad my kids had fun at Disney World. They really had fun. I didn't so much. I don't really like Disney World. <laughs> I know there's lots of hardcore Disney people in here, but I'm not a big Disney fan. My wife loves Disney. I just don't like it. I, I, I'm the, I'm a bit, I'm the, I'm too cynical. I just see behind, I can see the robots and stuff. Like, I see the nuts and bolts of the thing. I'm, I don't know why. I just can't, I can't get the whole magic of Disney. I guess because I didn't grow up watching Disney. So I, I don't get the whole thing. I'm just like, this is, meh. <laughs> Plus, even if I liked it, I'm getting on a tangent here, but even if I liked it, the cost to fun ratio is too far off. <laughs> and and for, the, for the amount of money, because literally, like, I don't, remember how, I don't remember how much we spent. I'll just, I'm just going to throw out a number like $4,000 because it's probably pretty close. I was counting the people around. I was like, that's $4,000, that's $4,000, that's $4,000. We should have a dome over this place with air conditioning because there's enough money here for me not to stand three hours in line in the heat. You should have 23 more rides and a dome with air conditioning. 
and I'll give you $4,000 and we can come here. I want a lazy river that's going to take me to every ride and I don't have to do anything, right? I mean, yeah, I want to be first in line every time. That's the happiest place on earth. And eat overpriced food and gain weight even though you're walking 80 miles a day. I think with that comedian, I think we need to eat, and then we should probably get a snack. When you're on vacation, you just eat constantly. And then we should probably get something to eat. And then we'll get lunch. <laughs> oh, I digress. What am I even talking about? If we have guests here, I don't apologize. This is pretty much every Sunday. <laughs> I, st- I think I need to stop apologizing because it's just, this is what we're going to do. All right, so, whew, where did I, how did I get to Disney? Be careful. All right. So those are all the, those are all the easy to spot sins, right? This is, our false, this is a false escape from a false prison that you're not even in. The, the key to getting out of this false prison is realizing that you're not in it to begin with. Understanding that Christ lives in you, the hope of glory, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you, and your life is much better than you think it is. <laughs> now, be careful. Huh? <laughs> your life is real Disney. All right. Be careful. It's not just the traditional, easy to point out bad sins, but the real good looking sins like self righteousness and dead works are just as dangerous. Why is that? It's the same demonic lie that applies here. For the time, however brief, the person that is fighting and working to be righteous by his own account lacks trust and faith in the Father and is not submitting to the Holy Spirit's leading, and he does not trust in the finished work of Jesus, and in doing so places himself at the center of his own life. Let me say that again. <laughs> For the time, this is the escape, this is the sin of the, of the uh, religious zealot or the, 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 the proud, self-righteous person who thinks that they can do it on their own. This is the false prison they find themselves in. For the time, however brief, the person that is fighting and working to be righteous by his own account lacks trust and faith in the Father and is not submitting to the Holy Spirit's leading and he does not trust in the finished work of Jesus and in doing so places himself at the center of his own life. If you, it would be, since we're on Disney, it would, be, it would be not to my children's benefit for them to walk away from me at Disney World, right? It would be scary for them. In the same way, for anyone to try to, to as, we, as we grow in this dependence on Christ, for us to try to get away from him would be completely illogical. For us to try to do more things on our own as we get nearer and nearer to depending and getting more and more dependent on him would be completely illogical. Why is that? Because he's better. Because the cost, the cost to fund ratio is much better in the kingdom. Amen. <laughs> because it's free and you get everything. You get real joy, not laced with guilt and shame. You get real happiness, not costing $4,000 and standing in the heat. <laughs> you get genuine relationship because the goal is not just to get a ticket to go to a far-off heaven, but the goal is a restored relationship with the Father that's done already, that happened 2,000 years ago, that you can reap the benefits from today. Yeah. woo You don't have to wait till you die. Woo! Like, hey, this Christian thing's cool. Good, you know, good luck for now, but when you get to heaven, it's going to be great. <laughs> no. Where do I sign up? We're going to suffer through this world. Where do we come up with that? Where do, I don't understand. So, in the same way that the easy to point out bad sins feel good temporarily, the dead work sins feel good. 
They feel like accomplishments for a season, but, but they result in the same death that comes from all sins, which is a spiritual death. The, the result of, of dead works will always be death. <laughs> dead works produce death. Regardless of what sin you struggle with that you're trying to use to escape whatever reality that you think you're in, the results outside of Christ leading and Holy Spirit leading is always going to be death. Does that mean that we just give up and say, okay, well, God, do everything. I'm not going to do anything anymore? No. That's dumb. Paul would say, by no means. Of course. We, we, we're still part of this. We're still in this relationship. There are still people, like we say, people that have died and have gone to see heaven in its fullness do not need you. <laughs> They're good. They're not waiting on you. Like, I can't wait till Justin gets here. It's going to be awesome when he gets here. There are people now, right now, today, that need you. There are people that your eyes need to be open to, to, to their situations because, okay, back up. You need to be free. You need to be free from that lie that you're in a false reality that you need to escape from because there are other people who are in a, a real prison outside of the love of Christ that need what you have. Amen. Let me say that again. They don't need you to convince them that you're right and they're wrong. They need what you have. <laughs> so this whole, this whole thing of, of going and, and, you know, just winning people to the Lord is good. We want to win people to the Lord, but we, need, we really need to love people. It's not nearly as complicated as we made it. Jesus constantly simplified it, a complicated message. He's told parables over and over and over and over and over again so that we would get it. And for some reason, even though the Bible clearly warns us about leaning on our own understanding, we have tried to complicate a simple message. So, thankfully, you've got a fairly uneducated pastor that's going to simplify this message every Sunday so that you can simplify it to other people. Because I don't do this for, for, I'm not, you know, to get rich or, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not up here so that I can boast or, th- or think that I'm in some great position. I think you all know that. I'm, I'm, I don't consider myself to be anything great or special. But, but what I care about most is that you know who you are when you leave this place. So I always talk about when you leave this place, you don't check your Holy Spirit at the door. When you leave the, I'm always talking about you leaving here, even though I want people to come. I really do. But what I want more is when you leave here to know who you are so that you can, you can affect other people in your lives every day. And that's much easier than you think it is. Much easier than you think it is. Your life changed in a moment, did it not? Every one of you at some point in your life, it changed in a moment. You run into people every day and spend more than a moment with them, right? So I'm, I'm going to do something today that I don't do often, and I'm, I'm skipping. Or should I? I have a little bit of time. Are you all cool? Is everybody good? You all have things to do? All right. Let me get to this, and I'm, I'm going I'm to give you a, a brief challenge. I don't do much challenges here because I'm not much of that kind of person, but I, I might kind of poke at you a little bit today. Um, I'm not gonna talk about that. I'll get this. Is a, a a quote was actually on my on my timeline this morning when I looked at Facebook because I'm so spiritual I check Facebook on Sunday mornings. But it's good that I did because it's a memory from like five years ago, and I haven't listened to Joseph Prince in a long time. I remember when I first kind of under, started seeing things and understanding how grace worked. I listened to Joseph Prince a lot. Um, I don't listen to him as much. I still think he's good. It's just his style of preaching. I I don't know. For what, who cares? I don't know why I'm telling you that. But this was a quote that popped up on my timeline, and I really like this. And it says, uh, Joseph Prince is saying, 
Believers are, are often exhorted to repent from sin. However, in the New Testament, we were actually exhorted to repent from dead works. You see, sin is simply the fruit. Dead works are the root. Listen to this. Sin is simply the fruit. Dead works are the root. Dead works are not sin. They are the religious things people do, thinking that by doing these things, they are gaining righteousness with God. If you pray because you think that praying makes you right with God, that's a dead work. But if you pray because you are right with God and you know that he loves you, there's power there. That was really good. And went right, I was like, hey, I'm, this goes right along with what I'm talking about. I'm going to take it. So listen to what he's saying here. We still do things, but now we do things with the power of knowing who we are. We don't do things, okay, so it makes us, we're not self-referential. We're not doing these things so that God will be happy at us, <laughs> right? We don't do these things so we're constantly trying to, to get closer and closer and God's good with us and we're better and better and better. Because how does that benefit anybody else around us? It doesn't. So now when we see other people, we go, okay, now that we know that deal's done, the finished work in Christ is in me, I'm good to go. Now, like I say, grace puts you in a, in a, in a peculiar position because now you don't have an excuse. You say, well, I can't do that. So you have Christ in you. <laughs> well, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. Of course you can. It's not a big deal. It's, 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 you're not leaning on your abilities. You're leaning on the Holy Spirit that's in you. And so then it's like, if things don't work out the way you think they should, you go, hey, God, that's on you. I mean, I know it sounds bad, but I mean, that's legit. This, this is what you called me to do, and I'm doing it. So that takes all the stress off. Like, okay, well, here we go. Now I have something, and I can give it away. I don't have to convince everybody that I'm right and they're wrong. I can just give away what God's given me, which is awesome. It should be. All right. We'll wrap up here. This is, this is the last little bit of good news, and then, um, and then I'll let you guys go. So this is Jesus. After he prays to the Father for the disciples, he prays for everybody else, basically, which I'll include us in this. And this is all the other ones have, been in, have not been in the message. This will be in the message just because I like this version better. Eugene Peterson has a, a really cool way of, of, of wording things sometimes. And one of the key words in here, I really liked how Eugene Peterson put it, so... Uh, John 17, 20 through 26. And this is Jesus praying basically for all of us. He says, I'm praying not only for them, the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me. Because of, because of them and their witness about me, the goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So they might be one heart and, and mind with us. This is that restored relationship together, indwelling of the Holy Spirit then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are. Man. So they'll be as unified and together as we are. I and them and you and me. And they'll be mature in this oneness. And give the godless world evidence. What evidence? That you've sent me and loved them in the same way you've loved me. I'm going to stop there for a minute. In the very beginning, he talked about the goal. What is the goal? What is the evidence? It's love. This is how we'll know one another, because we love. We talk about the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and the, the Holy Ghost being manifested in us. The very, there, I think there's lots of different ways, different gifts, and the Holy Spirit being manifest, but the, the number one manifestation of the Holy Spirit should be love, always should be love. That should be how we identify a, a, a believer, that you've sent me and loved them, 
in the same way you've loved me. Verse 24, Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am. Listen to the heart of Jesus in this. This is so powerful. I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am so they can see my glory, the splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there ever was a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you. And these disciples know. I have made your, I have made your very being known to them who you are and what you do and continue to make it known so that your love for me might be in them exactly as I am in them. Let that sink in a minute. Jesus has experienced the love of the Father big time. Like he gets it. And he wants desperately for us to get it. Like you can, I can feel the heart of the Father in this because I have kids and I want them to know how much I love them. I want them to experience that. I want them to know it without a shadow of a doubt. And I did not train Trinity to say those three things to Dana. I did not have to convince her that I love her. I hope I don't. But I promise you I did not train her to say those things. And in the same way, we should not be trying to convince people of this thing. We should just be sharing it with them. And you can only share it if you, if you can receive it yourself. Because you, you, can't, like you can't give something away that you don't have. You have to know that you have it. And so I want, this is, this is my challenge for you if you want, you want to call it that. I want you to really think about this as we close today. I'm going to pray for you guys. I just really want you to think about this. I'm not saying examine yourselves, but I want you to just, just, just pray and listen to the Holy Spirit of what he's saying about you and how he feels about you. And I want it to really sink in because from that place, everything else needs to come out of. What the Holy, and this is, this is, it's hard for me being a pastor because I want to just tell you, even though I've kind of told you, but I want you to hear it for yourself from the Holy Spirit because there's, there's so much power in that. And I want you to pray as, as, as I'm going I'm to pray over you, but I want you to pray that as well. And as you leave this place, I want you to continue to pray that. Lord, reveal your heart for me. That's what I want you to pray. Holy Spirit, show me how you feel about me. And that may be easy for some of you, but for some of us, it's not that easy. But it's so good. And I cry. It's not because I'm upset. I cry because it's that good. I'm overwhelmed by how good it is. It's, it's just so much bigger and better. So I want to pray for you. If you guys will stand up with me. Lord, I thank you for your love. Lord, I thank you for your reality that, that you demonstrate to us every day, every moment. Lord, that you, you show us in our friends and family and through your leading of, of your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray as we leave this place that we continue just to... Uh, not to examine ourselves, but to, to just examine your heart in us. Lord, to examine your heart for us. Lord, for us to, to continue to seek, to seek your heart in our lives, to seek your, your eyes for other people and your ears to hear your Holy Spirit leading us towards those, those, uh, those divine meetings. 
But Lord, help us to, um, to just ask that. Lord, to ask us, Holy Spirit, how do you feel about us? Now, that's a real specific question, um, but I believe that there's power in it. I believe that you, I completely trust in you. And I know that you will show them, you won't just say it, but you will, you will, you will let them feel it, how you feel about them. And it will be good. That's something that I know. <laughs> so Holy Spirit, do your work in your people today. Uh, just continue to, to manifest your joy and your peace in us. Lord, we're not seeking to be uncomfortable, but we're thankful that you comfort us. And Lord, lead us to, to show others that same way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.